Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of the Watch Rolling Podcast. The Watch Rolling Podcast is a veteran-owned podcast that helps newer watch enthusiasts learn from my mistakes while bringing valuable veteran resources to the attention of the watch enthusiast community. My name is Jason, and I'm your host. If you're new to the pod, welcome, and if you're returning, welcome back. This week, I discuss why you should be careful what timepieces you attach sentimentality to, and I cover a national logistics virtual career fair for veterans online Tuesday, June 6th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Time. It's pretty cool. A lot of jobs available and a lot of companies, but let's get started in the watch section. So I was getting some thought this week, you know, cause I've been taking some pictures and I'm offering some of my pieces up for sale because I have my eye on a couple of other pieces and there's some stuff I've been saving for. And there's some pieces I found that kind of, as I've gotten to be exposed to other pieces, I've realized some of the stuff I have, I can kind of supersede with something else that's more my style, right? And one of these pieces is my Zen 105 UTC, right? But the point of this topic is why you as a newer watch enthusiast should just be careful with the pieces you attach sentimentality to. And and I think it's important to recognize that because it becomes hard to move them later on. If you've gotten some pieces early on and like you wear them somewhere with your significant other or with someone in your family or to a special event for yourself, you know, and it's not necessarily a piece that you love. Um, it can be difficult to wear. And I've discovered I kind of keep them just to keep them, but I don't really wear them because they don't really fit my lifestyle. Right. It's not a happy marriage of um, what I would say my personal likes are along with the memories attached to them. Right. And I mean, man, it's been, it's been crazy. So I think like most watch enthusiasts, especially early on, I was doing, and I've discussed this before. I was not quite sure about everything that I dug when I got into collecting early on. And, and I know the term collecting is, is kind of subjective because it could, for some people, it could be five watches for somebody it could be 500 watches. Right. But a lot of my early pieces, I thought like, you know, I had to have a piece in each style. I had to have a dive watch. I had to have a pilot's watch. I had to have a field watch. I had to have a dress watch. I had to have this watch or that watch. You know, um, some of them are, I was already lucky. I had a G-Shock. I have a G-Shock and had that. So I haven't had to buy one, but I quickly realized, I mean, not even quickly, but I didn't wear half of them because it's, they're not something aesthetically that I enjoyed or function functionally I enjoyed. And so they sat there, right? And it's the, you know, the advice I give now is go out and touch some stuff early. Um, that's very important because I think if I had handled a lot of stuff early, if I wouldn't sought other watch enthusiasts, which is kind of hard where I'm from. I mean, I rented them occasionally, but, um, you know, and I don't do Facebook, so maybe I'm missing out on like meetups or something like that, but I've been looking online and I haven't found any, but I think if I had touched some stuff early, it would have been a little bit better for me. And I would have had a, a, a more informed ability to make decisions on what I wanted. So talking about the touch of some stuff, there's some things I probably wouldn't have purchased right away, right? I wouldn't have, I, I know for a fact I would have never bought a field watch. I know for a fact I never would have bought a pilot's watch, um, et cetera, et cetera, right? But if you can do that and then you start to look at the stuff that you want early, I would recommend that you get a versatile piece early, right? Something that 
for you, you can wear, if you have an active lifestyle with a pretty good water resistance, something that's built pretty ruggedly that can take a pounding, something that could go from, we joke around and say, you know, go from, you know, call it, you know, calling in an airstrike at eight to, you know, going out to dinner with your significant other at 20 hundred. Right. But I think that's important to, to do because you can, it'll tie into the next step would be if you get something versatile and you could wear it everywhere, then you have one piece and you're not buying a bunch of stuff if you don't have to right away to kind of, you know, learn from purchasing, which is kind of, I think the worst way to learn. And by tying all that in, I think you have to have no compromises, right? With what you're going to purchase. So if you get out and touch some stuff and you determine there's a kind of versatile piece you like early and you're not willing to compromise on it, then I think you're going to get something that even initially early on in your collecting journey, that as you start to grow your collection, these early memories will match something that you physically or, you know, tactilely love. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to, it's not going to just sit in the box, not getting worn because you didn't do enough due diligence before you bought it. Like I've done with some pieces, right? I, I fully admit there's pieces I got to sit around. I'm, you know, I'm trying to sell them and I can't, it's real. And that comes, comes down the road later when we're talking about this, but you know, I think if you're a newer watch enthusiast, and like I said before, and you got to get something, just get up. I mean, you could find this kind, these kind of um, requirements in the Seiko line. If you could find something there, and then as you collect more and get further down the road, and I'm not endorsed or anything by sponsored by Seiko, I just think they offer the most variety, like maybe Seiko, Citizen, stuff like that. Um, but if you can get out and touch some stuff early, and then you can find a versatile piece that'll work with you across a, a broad range of areas. And then you don't compromise with what you want, right? So you know that you want a certain color dial. You want a certain style dial. You want a certain case shape. You want a certain case style. You want a certain finishing. Do you want it on a bracelet? Do you want a certain amount of water resistance? Do you want a certain kind of movement, et cetera, et cetera. That will all kind of help you determine what you need to get. And then I think another thing you shouldn't do initially, which I know is easier said than done for some people, is limiting yourself by budget, right? But if something that you really, really want because you get a chance to handle, it's a little bit more than you would want to spend. Then I would recommend that you save up to get that. You save up to get it because nickel and diamond yourself before you get there isn't going to give you the same satisfaction. Trust me on this one. I've learned the hard way. There's pieces I've handled that, you know, if I'm being because I save for everything. I, I, I don't. I, I, I put money away to get the stuff that I get. I don't. Like, how can I say it? I just don't go make rash purchases, right? So the things I want, um, I save up to get them because this is a hobby and it's for fun. And, you know, there's other priorities like most of us have that have to be paid first. But I think by handling stuff, you know, you could get yourself a smaller, more affordable piece early that you could like while you, you know, that, that fits all your parameters. Like I said, you've touched it, you've handled it. It's versatile. You didn't make any compromises with it while you're saving up for this bigger piece, possibly that might be a little bit out of your budget right now, but you can save up for it. And then you'll have something else with you that will stand the test of time. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because I'm telling you right now, like you can buy 10 watches if you want to, to sort it out, but there's, there's little to no recoup on those watches. I, I, I'm telling, I'm running across that issue right now where I'm trying to sell stuff and I'm accepting the hard fact of where, I'm taking a loss on everything. I'm taking a loss on something that I thought I wasn't going to take a loss on. And it's just the way it's going to be. 
So I'm going to take the loss on a couple of pieces and I'm going to, you know, pay, you know, additional money on top of what I've already saved up to get some stuff that I really want. Now it's for totally first world problem, but still it's, it's never, it's never, you know, cool to take a loss on anything. Cause I got a couple of pieces I'm going to sell and I'm going to take like a huge hit on them because they were micro brands. Right. And then if I'm being honest, I think I got one or two pieces that I can make some money off of. They're micro brands and they're hard to get because there's a long waiting list, but I don't personally feel right gouging anybody, especially somebody I know for those prices. Right. So maybe I'd sell them at cost and you know, what's that's what I'm possibly probably going to do is sell them at cost and then basically break even. Right. But if you get this wide range of watches and you a don't dig like hundred percent about everything, which is understandable. I mean, sometimes you wear something over time, you learn something about it. Uh, maybe sometimes you wear it over time and you like it more. But if you're making compromises on what you want early on, you're going to get stuck with a bunch of pieces that you have made compromises with. And then if you can't sell them, you're just stuck with them, right? Or you're going to sell them for like 10 cents on the dollar. And I mean, that's just no way to go. It's a, uh, it, it can really suck and it sucks right now, but I'd like to offer you that information as a newer watch enthusiast. So you don't make that same mistake, right? So again, get out there early and often, touch as much stuff as you want, um, as you can handle, you know, actually remember what you like and what you don't like. If the person lets you put it on their wrist, put it on your wrist, see what it's like. Um, understand what would be versatile for your life, right? And then don't make any compromises on the piece and then don't limit yourself by budget. Get yourself a good entry level piece early that you can wear around that you wouldn't mind keeping for a long period of time because it meets all of your criteria and then start to save up for your, for your bigger piece, right? Because we all eventually end up getting there. And then remember that if you do make this big giant collection, it's going to be hard to sell those off without taking a loss. It's just, it just is. And I'm not talking, I'm not even talking about an investment. I'm not against an investment. It's just like, Hey, I got this thing. Um, I used it for two or three years. Uh, I'm going to sell it. And then you're, you know, you're getting like 10 to 15 cents on the dollar. And then that can become an issue if you don't really plan ahead and save for that one piece you want, because when you, if you think you're going to make up that gap with what you have in your collection already, unless it's precious metal or something super duper rare with a high collectability, um, you're not going to have as much funding going forward for those pieces that you want that you thought you would. And it's just kind of a cruddy feeling. So it's just something to remember. Now, one thing to remember that's never a cruddy feeling is getting some, some new shoes for one of your timepieces. And I recommend Mushi Watch Straps. Mushi Watch Straps is a veteran-owned business and provides well-built and fairly priced NATO straps, two-piece straps, leather and canvas straps, as well as watch tools, accessories, and storage. Feel free to use the code VET10, that's Victor Echo Tango 10 at checkout for 10% off your entire order. And I'll include the link to Mushi Watch Straps in the show notes, and they can be found at www.mushiwatchstraps.com. Now, in the veteran-related segment, I want to talk to you about a national logistics virtual career fair for veterans that's online from June 6th, which is a Tuesday, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Time. It's pretty awesome. So Recruit Military and the DAV are hosting a national logistics virtual hiring and networking event exclusively for the military community. It's going to be online. Um, it's free. And it's going to run for four hours, and it's going to give you direct access to exclusive companies within the logistics industry. So any of my logisticians out there um, in the Navy, we used to call them, you know, SKs, AKs, and SHs, and I, I'm dating myself now because now they're called LS, which is logistics specialist, which actually makes more sense. They used to be storekeepers, shop, you know, all this stuff, stuff. Uh, ship service person, but um, now they're logistics specialists. So 
they're going to give you direct access to companies within the logistics industry who want to hire and retain military talent. So you also, um, so this is web-based, so you don't got to download anything. And they recommend that you dress to impress because you might be invited to connect one-on-one with a recruiter via camera or video. So if you register for this event, you'll be able to, you will be visible to all the attending recruiters and please make sure that you upload and use a current resume, right? Now I'm going to include the registration note on there, uh, the registration link on there so you can do it. And as of this event, you know, recruit, recruit military has held 28 events in the national virtual region. Uh, and it's drawn over 25,000 attendees and 2,100 exhibitors. So there's an opportunity there for you. Uh, so there's, they have some cool notes in there. So like why attend their career fair? Well, uh, they, each average organization conducts five interviews and then they average five offers extended by each organization. And then there's around 84,000 jobs available within attending organizations. Now there's 35 registered exhibitors and I'm going to name them just so you know, and I'm going to cover three of them that I think kind of cover a broad well, as broad as a spectrum within the logistics field as you can get. Now, I was never a logistics person, but in the Navy, um, when you're around E3, E4, um, there's a collateral duty you can pick up in every division called the supply parts petty officer, right? And so it's basically obtaining the material you need or materials you need for your division or your rate or your MOS, whatever you want to call it to get the job done. Right. So sometimes you're ordering like consumables, like, you know, sticky, you know, sticky notes, post-its, whatever you want to call it, pins, pencils, knives, you know, sometimes you get cool stuff like a knife, which we never really, we get Kerbers. Um, I guess in some places you get watches and stuff. Like we didn't get that there. I, I didn't know how to justify a watch for a firefighter. Um, but then, so the whole point is that a lot of us have an entry level understanding of logistics, how to order, how to inventory, how to document and all that stuff, right? So how to account for it because you have a budget. So I think it's cool because I think everyone that's been in the military for more than five minutes has more logistical knowledge than you realize and experience. Um, You just have to understand how to translate that, right? And so I'm going to cover real quick the exhibitors and then cover three that I think kind of cover a broad, um, like I said, a broad spectrum of the opportunities available. So there's 35 registered exhibitors to this event. There's Integris incorporated. And the cool thing about the link I'll send you here is that they tell you how many jobs they have open right now. Not all of them, but the majority of them. So Integris has 108 jobs, waste management, 1,653 jobs, AstraZeneca, 535 jobs, Lidos, huge government contractor, defense contractor, 2,852 jobs, John Deere, 3,994 jobs, right? If you're into tractors and, you know, green and yellow paint scheme, that's for you. General Dynamics Information Check, uh, Tech, GDIT, Cummings Incorporated, 699 jobs. Gordon Food Service, 590 jobs. Liberty Mutual, 689 jobs. Union Pacific Railroad, 136 jobs. I knew a kid that worked for me that got out of the Navy and went and worked for Norfolk Southern Railway, and he loved that job. I mean, he he we used to keep in touch with him for a while, and he was just riding the rails as a maintenance person, doing all kinds of cool stuff. He loved it. Um, there's a place called Sonopar USA. They got 349 jobs. All tech industries, 177. We discussed them earlier. Canon, the camera company, 341 jobs. Howmet Aerospace, 710 jobs. There's Raytheon missiles and defense, 4,359 jobs. Worldwide tech, 248 CVS health, 33,438 jobs. 
I'd be interested to know um, what those jobs are. Uh, disabled American veterans, one job. Momentum, 3,274 jobs. And then you got General Dynamics Land Systems with 3,500 jobs. Walgreens with over 18,000 jobs. Uh, Parsons, over 1,600 jobs. And then Lockheed Martin, over 4,000 jobs. And Albertsons Companies Incorporated with 938 jobs. And there's Military Sea Lift Command with 43 jobs. And then Motion with 1,348 jobs. So the, the first company I wanted to focus on, again, I'm not sponsored by any of these companies. I just want to be able to give you a wide variety of uh, the companies that are exhibiting. So you have an idea of, of maybe something you can shoot for if you attend this, right? And on these links that I'm going to include from Recruit Military, they have an awesome search link on each company's page where you can search by job title, MOS, company, or keywords. They list the upcoming events for that company. They give you the company headquarters with their uh internet address. And then they give you a brief rundown of each company, right? So Gordon food service, they've been around for over 125 years. You know, you get the standard blurb about we've delivered the excellence, blah, 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 blah. Right. But they do food operations and experiences, right? So they talk about how there are uh, people focused culture, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then, but they are the largest family operated broadline food service distributor in North America. Uh, they've been around since 1897 and, you know, you can take what you want from that. They basically help get food delivered to places that need food. And they talk about why should you apply? Well, are you a military veteran or a spouse who's looking for a civilian career that provides opportunities for growth and career advancement? Well, they're a proud hire of veterans and active duty servicemen and women. Uh, they talk about leadership strategy, development, teamwork are the foundation for their company. And they know that veterans bring that to the field, right? So that's Gordon food service. And they're located out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So the next one was one that was pretty interested, interesting. It's called Troops into Transportation. And it's an, it's an initiative created by the CDL school and their partner trucking companies. And their mission is to provide job training and placement for service members and veterans with our partner carriers. So here, here's something I know. I know a, a handful of veterans, actually, that have got out of the military and gone into trucking. And because they like the freedom of, of riding on the roads, um, I know that the trucking industry has changed a lot in the last five to 10 years, but um, I just feel like it's a cool job and this sounds like a cool program. And I know a lot of people that are interested in trucking because um, it allows them to go around the place, even though there's like national trucking routes, there's regional trucking routes, there's local trucking routes. There's all different kinds of ways to get into trucking. That, that's my point. But the, at Troops Into Transportation, they have a goal to be the primary conduit for service members to enter the transportation industry. And then they want to help make the primary employment source for major trucking carriers that are looking to hire military personnel. So they provide comprehensive hands-on training and several highly successful certification programs that help veteran and service members secure their CDL, their commercial driver's license. And that's the first step you need for your career in the commercial trucking industry. And then they have a ton of different jobs. So their headquarters out of Katy headquarters out of headquartered out of Katy, Texas. Um, their link will be, search there. Now here's what I will tell you about, and I'm going to, it's going to, it's going to fall into the category of the next organization as well. Just because this is a troops into transportation and they help people get careers in the trucking industry doesn't necessarily mean that all you can do in those companies is be a trucker. You got to remember, you got to think if you're a veteran, think of these companies like the organization you're coming from, right? So I was on destroyers, primary mission of a destroyer is to launch missiles and blow stuff up, right? And there's other stuff I'm not going to get into it, but I mean, the easiest answer is, is that 
uh, warheads on foreheads. That's not always popular, but that's literally what they're there for. And, but that doesn't happen if you don't have people who are logistics specialists. That doesn't happen if you don't have people who aren't administrative specialists. It doesn't happen if you don't have people who aren't the people to operate the engines and maintain that stuff. So think of these companies the same way. These companies have positions that have to be filled that aren't necessarily the literal truckers, right? So don't sell yourself short. Because I talked to a lot of veterans who are like, oh, I can't do that. It's like, well, you don't know that, man. It's like, you don't know until you look at the company and see what jobs are there, right? So I just ask you to keep that in mind. And then the next company is the, well, not the company, the next organization is the Military Sea Lift Command or MSC. All right. So for those of you that aren't Navy affiliated, the MSC are all the merchant mariners that take care of almost all the other stuff that happens, right? So it's saying it's like Star Trek and is, 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 is a bad analogy because they're out there for exploration. But let me just read you what military seacraft does. So they're headquartered in Washington, D.C. It's a worldwide organization. They employ more than 8,000 people, both military and civilian, right? So the command is responsible for ocean transportation and military supplies and equipment. And they also provide seagoing platforms to support special at-sea missions and for logistics support to U.S. Navy ships at sea, right? So if you've ever heard of an underrated replenishment where a ship's tied to another ship and they're moving fuel or they're moving, you know, Cheetos or whatever you want, Pop-Tarts is one of them. Um, you know, these are the ships that carry that stuff that give it to the ships underway. And then like any command, MSC has many different career opportunities, both ashore and afloat, right? Remember that you don't necessarily have to get underway. Now, I will tell you from firsthand sources that if you don't have like a family, like, I mean, not a family, like, you know, extended family, like if you're not married or you don't have kids, so you don't really care about going anywhere, like you, you don't mind leaving, it doesn't bother you. If you can get into the MSC, there are opportunities to make and save money because you're underway, right? Like, I mean, it's the dirty little secret. Um, it's kind of hard to spend money when you're underway. So it's just something to think about. Um, you can use that time to get some experience and then save up some money. But I digress. So again, the command has different opportunities, both ashore and afloat. And as part of its workforce, MSC employs, employs more than 4,000 civil service mariners, federal government employees who crew and sail MSC's Naval Fleet Auxiliary Force and special mission ships, all non-combatant ships. So that's important to remember too. These are non-combatants. You're not going to go out there and shoot anybody, right? Now, it doesn't mean that you couldn't be shot, full disclosure, but they're not actually putting themselves out in harm way like, you know, blowing anybody up or anything. So, right? Their headquarters are out of Washington, D.C. I'll leave that link in the show notes. They also remember on these links, their upcoming events are listed on the right-hand side as well as some recent jobs, right? So they got a steward cook, an assistant damage control officer. That would be like what I did in the Navy. Essentially, I would probably be more like a damage control leader. And then they have third officer, which is a bunch of stuff, but there's a link to see all their jobs there. So that again is just a wrap up of the National Logistics Virtual Career Fair for Veterans, Tuesday, June 6, 2023, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Time. Again, all links are in the show notes. Over 35 exhibitors are going to be there, and they're going to be offering the opportunity to have one-on-one -on -one with recruiters. So dress to impress and have your resume ready. And we talked about Gordon Food Service, Troops into Transportation, and MSC. Um, I invite you to check it out. Um, it's a Tuesday. Good luck to anyone that does it, and I hope you do it. And the veterans section of the episode is brought to you by the Anti-Watch Watch Club. The AWWC is a registered 501c3 charity, nonprofit, and they are a veteran and law enforcement officer and first responder-centric organization that provides monetary, social, humanitarian, and emotional support to those in need 
and they utilize a drop culture style retail sales and develop in user based products to keep the lights on. Um, they just finished up a Cinco de Mayo drop coming up and they have some other cool stuff coming up soon. I'll put the link in the show notes, check them out. And I appreciate their sponsorship of the veteran section. This week's closing thoughts. Well, I appreciate you tuning into 57 episode 57. It's a, uh, this one was a little, a little rough getting up for, um, this time, this time of the year is kind of hard, but I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate the support from everyone. And to everyone that gives me feedback on the show, um, to Mike, you know who you are to John, you know who you are. Um, you know, Alex always gives me feedback. Um, I just want to thank everyone, everyone that's either wrote me a note or has, you know, pulled me aside and be like, Hey, I really appreciate the show. Um, it, it just, it just means the world to me. And, um, I feel like I'm putting some good stuff in the world out there, which is the whole goal of the podcast. So if there's anyone else out there that's used any of the resources, please let me know. I know there's a gentleman I want to talk to soon who has used one of the hiring things. Um, I'm just waiting for June 3rd, Saturday, June 3rd. Um, you're going to hear an announcement about that. Something big's coming up, so it's going to be fun. Um, but again, thank you for everyone that tunes in. This week's positive affirmation is pretty simple, and it's time time waits for nobody, right? This time of the year, there's an awful lot of people who can't be here to do the things that they wanted to do. If we're here, we owe it to them to do those things for ourselves. Don't sit around, get up. In the, in the great words of Outcast, get up, get out, and do something. Um, this time waits for none of us. And remember, at watchrolling.com, you make the watch. The watch doesn't make you. <laughs>